live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. Good afternoon, Water Zone fans. How you doing all day? Uh, this is Rob Starr. I usually stay along with Mr. Chris Davies, but he's actually at a trading symposium, and he's giving a speech right now. His uh, speech started late because of the program, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to join us sometime in the broadcast. And uh, Anyway, that's what's happening, but we also have somebody that's here that we all know and love, and she is the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, Miss Chris Austin. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. How you doing, Rob? We're doing good. Yeah, Chris, is, uh, he's been texting me every every 10 minutes and telling me his, his, his section kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed because they're, they're, they've been late when they started the, uh, the training session today So at the symposium. So he apologizes for that, but hopefully he'll have a chance to catch into it. You so know, I, isn't that the hardest part of those conferences and all those presentations is when they get behind? Yes. <laughs> yes. Somebody went over time. <laughs> yep. And usually they have somebody in the back of the room, you know, holding a little sign up. You got five minutes, two minutes and stuff, but I guess that didn't happen. So anyway, uh, so what's been happening uh, in, in the world of weather and water in California? Oh, well, we actually had some rain this week, uh, a couple days ago, some actual rain that was, I mean, it did more than just dirty up the cars. So uh, we, we were kind of happy with that. I, I kind of went to look at the reservoir levels, and it really didn't seem to raise uh, Lake Oroville or Shasta very much, but it it did get out there and wet up the the watershed. So you know, if rain comes through again, which they're saying maybe in a, the next couple of days it might, uh, there will probably be more runoff uh, into the reservoirs at that time. So it's all good. We're glad to see the rain and. Uh, it's, uh, there was actually, I guess, uh, quite a bit of rain in Southern California in some parts. So, uh, Yeah, Chris said it rained real hard in, uh, in Riverside this week, he said, for two days. So uh, and he said the storm is moving towards us here out in Arizona world. But uh, we just saw it for maybe an hour and a half, and that was it. And it was pretty light. Yeah. So, well, hopefully it's the start of uh, of more rain and more showers coming in, and we'll hope that uh, that it does. And, excuse me. And, uh, you know, hope that it continues. Uh, we seem to have this weather pattern that's becoming more common where um, we get a wet fall, a wet October, a wet November, a wet December, and then come January, it all dries up and stops. So we'll hope that that won't happen this year. Um, but if, you know, folks don't have a lot of hope that it's going to be a very wet year for California this year or the West. So we'll see what happens. Well, it's getting cold here. It's uh, dropped down to 48 degrees tonight is what they, they did. Yesterday was pretty cold. Is, is the weather the same way there? Um. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but after the rain cleared out and the sky cleared up, uh, that meant, frost and very, very cold overnight weather without those clouds to sort of keep the warmth in. It, it gets very, very cold. Oh. Well, hope we get some more wet because we, we definitely need that. I, I also well, hear that, that. 
Yeah, I heard that NASA is going to start a program to measure all of the Earth's water. Yeah, they're out there. Uh, they got satellites, so they're really going to go and dig in and try and uh, figure out what the water resources really are like. So uh, we'll hope that they come up good. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you yeah. never really know, but uh, you know, it, it's going to be good. It, it's going to, uh, you know, they're. They've been really trying to look at the water cycle and look at things uh, a little bit farther uh, or deeper than we have in the past. So it's, you know, it's really kind of exciting. Uh, a few weeks ago, the, the USGS uh, debuted a new water cycle diagram that includes the way that humans change the water cycle, meaning... Uh, um, weather modification, groundwater recharge, uh, things like that. So they're really trying to nail things down. And NASA has really, has they have a whole office uh, devoted to Western water supply and, uh, you know, providing their technology to do real things on the ground. So it's, a, it's great. Uh, it's a great use of the technology. Uh, and NASA is is all about taking this technology, developing it uh, for the needs of the users, and then giving it to them to run. So it's very practical. So we're lucky to have, you know, smart people over there at NASA and JPL. Oh, absolutely. You know, we have a, a guest following you today um, with the company, and, and they're going to talk about how private capital fix the water crisis in the U.S. So that should be pretty interesting. I, I don't know if they're a they funding source or what they do, but uh, we need all kinds of ideas uh, to figure out how we, how, we, how we can store more water, what happens when you have uh, subsidence happening in, around the country in certain places, like Florida and some other places. Uh, it's scary, but we need, we need a lot of ideas, and we need, hopefully we have the money to go after it uh, with this infrastructure that passed. Um, I know it's not all going to water. It's going to bridges and roads and a bunch of other things and even things that probably shouldn't be in that bill. But, you know, uh, I'll leave that alone for now. But, uh, yeah, we got to figure out ways how we can preserve the water that we have and make sure that, uh, you know, we, we, we account for every single drop and we have places to store it and, and that the place to store it is sturdy and safe and, you know, all of those kind of things. And uh, hopefully, hopefully somebody's going to, be measuring that and taking action on I, I I hope they do. Yeah, well, and there you know people are really out there and and they're really looking for you know solutions to that and trying to figure out how to you know make more water so to speak. Um, and and yeah, there are ways out there to do it, but I mean not to be a Debbie Downer here, but you know I don't think that we're going to be able to uh, techni technically get ourselves out of this water crisis without making some real changes to how we use water in our homes and in our businesses and in our cities. I mean, we it's it's just it's just not there. Yeah, um, so I we're going yeah we're going to have to continue to uh, to move forward with figuring out how we can all use less water. Uh, you know, one of the things that they've steps that they've taken here in California is uh, called for banning all non-functional turf. And 
Metropolitan Board took the step a few weeks ago, I do believe, of requiring now all non-functional turf to be removed and replaced with something low or no water using. I mean, right. it really, and, and things, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I just listened to the re report from Metropolitan Committee earlier this week. Uh, things are, are looking very dire in Southern California. Uh, they had one area in their service area uh, that's only served by the state water supplies, and they were unable to water except for one day a week. And, you know, and we heard about the celebrities and everything that was going on. Um, there were mild water restrictions elsewhere, but uh, this year, this upcoming year, supplies are going to be really, really tight for Metropolitan, and they will be extending that emergency water conservation order across their entire uh, service territory. So... Um, unless it's a really, really wet year, and we would love to see that, but that's not likely. Um, there's going to be uh, massive water restrictions in Southern California next year. So oh, you, I think you even not think, but you even reported, I think, the last year or the show before about uh, uh, how some of the water agencies up in, up of Northern California are fining people for for water usage, excessive water usage. They already started issuing. Uh, citations to them and the penalties. Well, we also had this group uh, in um, on the Shasta River, uh, the State Water Board, who's the regulator in this instance, uh, told them that they had to stop diverting water. And they, uh, the farmers there on this one tributary just kind of said, you know what, not going to do that. And so they diverted water any, anyway. And this you could this was they were able to tell us because they have stream gauges on these river and the stream gauge just was dropping and it should have not dropped but it continued to drop so they they came up with the fine for those ranchers now uh, and apparently it, it kind of massed out to about fifty dollars per rancher uh, for defying the state water board which I, I'm just not thinking is much of a deterrent. No, I was just going to say that. That's not going to do anything to them. I mean, they'll pay the 50 bucks and move on. Yeah, and and not likely to, to make anybody else think twice before they do the same thing. So, uh, you know, it's just tough. It's, it's, you know, it's just really tough, tough times ahead, um, yeah. especially if it continues to stay dry. You know, we had another story this week in there about how the drought's complicating, uh, you know, efforts to implement the groundwater legislation. And, you know, these groundwater basins are, they have to bring themselves into balance, it means they have to, like a checking account, have to balance their ins and their outs. And they're really, and they're trying to boost levels in these groundwater basins, and they have a lot of hope for groundwater recharge project you know the problem is you got to have water for those recharge projects and if oh, mother nature doesn't give it to you you know yeah. it it just say it's just not going to work and yeah. this is just means that you know theoretically if these groundwater basins aren't meeting their their uh 
milestones, then they would have to keep cutting back their their uh, water customer, their water users, more so than they already are being cut back. So it's it's really you know, and these are you know when we talk about farmers, this is their livelihood. I mean, without yeah. water, it's you know a farmer can't do very much. It's sort of like a saying to a painter that you know he can't have any more paint. You yeah. know, so what what do they do? Really tough times ahead, folks. Really tough. Well, I, I, just to let you know and our audience know, I had a, a Chris uh, Chris Davy and I had a conversation with uh, a gentleman named Max Gomberg uh, the other day, and we recorded that. And we're going to be playing that on the air in about two weeks. And he was from the uh, an advisor and stuff with in charge of conservation with the state uh, board of natural resources for water water resources board. And he has a lot to tell about the good things and the bad things that were occurring and what he saw happening and why he resigned and so forth and so on. So that'll be an interesting conversation uh, from him. But, you know, everybody's worried about California getting their fair share of Colorado River and, you know, and and, and, and states around here like Arizona and farmers, you know, they're, they're arguing why should they take less when, you know, Metropolitan wants more water and, you know, it's... It's going to get nasty if it doesn't get wet. <laughs> yeah, it, well, and I think on the Colorado River, you're a fool if you're really thinking that it's going to get wet that's going to help help out in any significant way. I mean, sure, it can happen, but yeah. uh, but it's not particularly likely. And, you know, there have been, uh, you know, the, the flow in the Colorado River has been decreasing. They say they're talking a 20-year drought. Yeah. And and also, you know, the other thing that's affecting things is, you know, groundwater and surface water are connected. And we we do know this. And in California, we do know groundwater pumping is affecting uh, the rivers here in California. Well, there's a lot of groundwater pumping in the groundwater basin, in the Colorado River Basin, um, you know, and those groundwater that they're pumping is really future surface water, as people would say. So, you know, it's just, um, it's, a, it's a real problem there on the Colorado River, and we'll have to see how this all plays out. But I think there's going to have to be some changes there. Um, I think there's going to have to be changes really everywhere eventually, Um What's going to be very challenging is I'm just not sure that we have the uh, legal constructs to really deal with things that we're going to need to deal with in a in an efficient way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, you know, before before the when the when, when these different states were having primaries, I don't know if you remember or listened in. We had a gentleman named Jim Lehman who was running for Arizona State Senate in the primary, and he did not win. It was Blake Masters who. who took that on, and now they're still waiting to see if he won Arizona or not against the current uh, Mark Kelly. But he had a he had a presentation about talking about, uh, I think you remember, uh, building a, uh, a pipeline from the East Coast to the West Coast to move water. And I see Florida today is having another storm. It's a tropical storm today, not a hurricane. But, you know, there's tons of water that just comes in, gets into floods, gets put back into the ocean. That's nice. But well, you know we need they they as well as we need a way to capture that water and, and divert it so we can we can store it somewhere, and yet yet Florida has a lot of subsidence going on, 
and they got a lot of sinkholes in Florida. I mean, major ones. And, well, you uh, know, you know why those sinkholes are happening. It's yeah. not groundwater pumping. No. It's it's limestone. Yeah. Uh, and it's like you know the things that make those really awesome limestone caves. Also, you know, when yeah. you have the house on top, it, it goes. I tell you that that's really the scary part of it. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. You see, like big eighteen wheelers aside from a house going into this hole, and it's uh, and the hole's not you know three feet deep. It's a lot deeper than oh, that. Oh, it's front. huge. Yeah. yeah. You, you, like some guy sitting in his house fell into a sinkhole, and that was the end of him. I mean, they was he was five hundred feet down. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah. You know, Florida's got a lot of issues with their water supply. Uh, you know, they don't really have a lot of groundwater there. So what they do is they have these very low, shallow reservoirs that they store water in that are actually quite close to the ocean. And so, you know, it's really uh, sea level rise is a big issue, too. So right. I don't know. Florida's got some problems. But, yeah, you know, I mean, People like to talk about these big solutions, pipelines from, you know, the Midwest to uh, to California, the Colorado River Basin. Uh, but, you know, there was actually uh, a few months ago a whole conversation that was had between readers in the uh, letters to the editor section of the Desert Sun and, and folks back in Missouri in the Midwest that caught wind of this great idea to pipe water in and and guess what they don't want to do it either so uh, they're they're not supportive of that so I just don't think we can engineer that kind of thing anymore that was you know we used to do those big pipeline projects but the problem is it, you know, if you can get the water, you've got to get it there, and you're going to encounter a lot of resistance from folks along the way. To well, have you got to get the, you got to get you got to get the land to do it too. I mean, that they got to buy and yeah. you know, the people don't like and... people don't like eminent domain where their their stuff gets stolen from them. But let me ask you another question. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh well, I was going to say, you know, it's kind of like the problem that we have. We we love solar panels. Solar power is great, so we put these solar farms out in the desert and then they got to string the power lines to bring them into the city and you know people don't like how new power lines going up <laughs> they don't even yeah. like the ones that are there they fight them tooth and nail you know so it's you know the same thing people don't want this infrastructure crossing their properties you know? no and like i reported a couple of weeks back that the um, solar panels create heat they generate you know, almost 30 degrees in, in Fahrenheit in temperature that raises it uh, in, in the area. Just like the one they have out toward, toward Las Vegas, where you, if, the bird, if any birds fly over, they get like zapped and microwaved to death. You know, they're like disintegrated because of the, the high temperature and, and stuff, reflection. Anyway, let me, one last thing I was going to ask you is about, you know, our famous story of Sigma in California, the groundwater management. It says the efforts to protect groundwater are tested by the drought and, and farmlands must come out of production. People are talking that they want to shut down a lot of farming in California. And that's, we're talking lots of dollars in, in, in the support of California. And, you know, that'll be terrible if it all leaves, or a lot of it leaves. Well, yeah, 
well, yeah, and but you know the the truth is that unfortunately there's not enough water to support all of this agriculture that we have. Uh, there never was really. The way the Central Valley sort of came about is, you know, they had these surface water projects that uh, delivered water out to the farmers in the in the Central Valley, and all the water, the rivers were developed, and they sent out water to all these farmers in the valley, and things were going along pretty well. Well, then all these other people came in, and they bought land next to these other people, but they didn't have surface water, so they just dug groundwater and started pumping groundwater. And most of these are talking almond orchards all over the place. And these folks just have groundwater only. And there's and so once they did that, that's when they really started dropping the uh, the level of the aquifers in the Central Valley. You know, it, it was all these other people coming online and just, you know, digging a hip, digging a hole and, and, you know, starting it up. And almonds are great. They're obviously very uh, lucrative to grow. They keep putting them in all over the place. But, yeah, I think the sad fact is that we don't have enough water to, uh, to keep all this farmland that we have. Uh, it's just what? not there. Well, one senator or congressman was talking about that they want to they want to map the U.S. and designate uh, what 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 agriculture can go where, in the, and they want to ban some in some states and say you can't you can't do almonds or alfalfa or you know whatever. I'm just saying uh, they want to they want to declare that one state can only do this, one state can do another thing, and I don't know how that's going to come about. Oh yeah, well, I doubt I doubt we'll see that happen. No, I, I don't think, either, but it would be a nasty fight when they get down to that. Well, you know, the the thing is there's a really reluctance uh, for people in the government to uh, tell farmers what, what they should grow and what they shouldn't grow. Um, that's kind of, I think there's a feeling that's kind of un-American. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so uh, no, you know, and it's just not easy to really figure these things out. Like uh, people say we shouldn't grow cotton in the desert. We shouldn't grow cotton in California. Okay, well, when we grow cotton in California, the yields off the acres are twice as much as anywhere else in the country due to the growing conditions. So is it really wasteful to grow cotton in the desert if the cotton is twice as productive as it would be grown elsewhere? And we do need cotton. We need clothes, sheets, you know. Well, maybe maybe like they'll, maybe they'll put an order into to my pillow guy who has that Giza sheets that are supposed <laughs> to come from Mediterranean. But anyway, we're coming close to our commercial break, Kristen. We do appreciate you uh, coming on every week and and uh, giving us the update of what's happening for our listeners. If uh, you want to be really in tune to what's happening here. Uh, you go to mavensnotebook.com, become a subscriber. Uh, stuff comes to my computer every single day with the latest upgrades of, of what's happening in, in the world of water. And if you want to become a, a sponsor of that, uh, you can do that as well. It's uh, www.mavensnotebook.com. And I guarantee you, once you read this, you're going to be hooked on it, and you, you'll be as up-to-date as anybody else. And, Chris, I don't know how you – you must stay up 22 hours a day <laughs> just to get all the data that you put in these daily things, and uh, we do appreciate that. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Good evening, everyone.
Good evening. All right, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back with our, uh, we have a great featured guest today. And uh, so stick around, and we'll be back in just a few moments, and just a little words from our sponsors. Thank you. KCAA Loma Linda. The legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts. So keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. AquaTrack is Arizona-based, and you can reach us at 623-594-8689. That's 623 623- Five nine four eight six eight nine. Miss your favorite show? Download the podcast at kcaaradio.com. All right, uh, welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone. I'm Rob Starr. Uh, our co-host, uh, Mr. Chris Davey, is at a symposium, and he is uh, giving his presentation right now because the uh, timing of everything was a little longer uh, for some of the sessions prior to his uh, his appearance. So uh, hopefully he'll be able to join uh, on this section. If not, uh, we wish him well. We'll talk to him next week. Anyway, we have a featured guest tonight, and uh, his name is Alexander, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, Lukopoulos. And he's a partner in a company called Science. And he joined in 2005 and was a founding member of the firm's real asset investing platform. And for the past uh, five years, he's been focused on building science water. And um, he has also has over 12 years of establishing various real assets funds, including water, aviation, and maritime, colored stones, 
energy infrastructure and real estate. And prior to science, um, he was part of a founding team of uh, UGO Networks and served as his vice president of corporate development. Just a little bit more about his background. He also worked as a consultant to a gentleman named Tony Fernandez, who is the CEO and founder of Air Asia, as well as for NBC and his broadcast of the 28th Olympiad. And he began his career at J.P. Morgan as an investment banker, specializing in mergers and acquisitions in Latin America. And Mr. Ucopoulos received a, a Kubelada uh, Georgetown University School of Foreign Service and an MBA from the MIT Sloan Management, where he was a Martin Trust Fellow. So he's a very brilliant person. I'm glad to uh, have him on the show. And Lou, did I pronounce your name correctly? Uh, yes. No, you did. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. That was... I, I always I always get a little freaky when I got, I got a name and, you know, some people, I had a friend of mine named Bob LaRagione, and people would call him Larjone, and everybody had a different way of pronouncing his name. And, uh, you know, uh, I always like to get somebody's name correct, because I think that's, that shows a little bit of respect. Hey, so yeah. the question, I know we're going to talk about some things uh, of what your company does, but are you part of a, is, is, is science part of another company? Because I, I noticed on, on the web there was a, a, a funding company. Is that part of your organization or is that a different structure? So um, Science Capital has been doing uh, private equity for in nearly three decades. Um, and for the last sort of 15 years, we, we started focusing on real assets. And out of that, we spun off and became a dedicated water fund called Science Water. So um, our genesis has been part of a, a mother company called Science Capital. Are, um, are, are they still part? I'm oh, sorry. Are you still part of that, even though you you operate as a separate division? Or yes, correct. Oh, okay. We, okay. we, okay. we are still good. part of, of Science Capital, um, which is sort of an asset management firm, and, and we're the, the dedicated water piece of that. Well, that's a very stable and great company. So I just wanted to get that out on the thing. Uh, you know, one of the things I was interested in, we we got uh, your people got in touch with us. Uh, also, let me let me let me tell you one other thing. I noticed on the board of directors you have Seth Siegel. Yes, he's he's and, one and of Seth, our, on our advisory board. Yes. Yeah, Seth Seth is Seth has been on our show several times, and uh, in fact, we're working with one of his ladies named Katie, uh, and we're, yes. we're scheduling another appearance for him on our show. He's been on several times. Great guy, met him in person a few times, and uh, he's just awesome. Knows knows water uh, inside and out. But anyway, we want to talk to you about. How private capital can fix help fix the water crisis in the U.S. and maybe you can tell us a little about what your company does and and go on that topic for a little bit and see what we can come to. Sure. Well, well, thank you for the time and and the forum to talk about this because I I think it's incredibly important. Um, so w- who we are is we are a dedicated uh, private investor in the water space, focusing on trying to solve many of the problems in in U.S. water infrastructure, which you've highlighted. Many, many of them um, on the show over the last you know, dozens of episodes. So we take the lens of um, of private investors and, and the need for it in the water space. And I think for for a long time, um, not enough private investment has gone into the water space. And I think the reason for that is because water um, is complicated, it's very fragmented, and and difficult to understand for for many private investors. What's happening now, um, again, as you've highlighted um, over your show, is that there is there is a big need for for capital in this space. That frankly, the the federal government, state government, local government, um, just can't fill that void. So we've approached it very much from um, a solutions base that private capital and specifically 
what we do and the expertise we bring in in certain areas in water are very much needed to be part of the solution in water, not as we talk about, you know, the short term, but as we talk about the next, you know, decades, um, which we believe is going to be obviously necessary for the capital to be deployed from the private side, but also for a lot of the solutions to, to matriculate within water. Interesting. Do I know when I see a lot of contracts being given in, in the government sections, just whether it's federal, state, local, there's always a stipulation that they have to use union-based contractors. And I'm not for or against contractors, but I always wonder when you go do that, uh, it costs more. <laughs> and, 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 and when you invest money into projects like that, do you have a say or, or you can't really tell them where they have to go or what they should use or just, you know, I find a lot of projects like, like in California, they, they built what's called a, they're trying to build a train, like a, 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 a bullet train. And it's been going on for 10, 15 years. It's way over cost and over budget and everything else and keep, from what the people voted on and things like that. And they spent millions and, I mean, hundreds of millions on PR and things like that, instead of putting it into the building of it and things like that, is does that get in the way of what you do with your with your clients that you invest in and so forth? Yes. So, so uh, it, again, I think in the water space, it's very um, very hard to sort of um, generalize, right? Um, I think when you talk about the large projects, like the one you mentioned, which are in the big cities, and even the large water projects, it's very different from the small projects in water, right? Whether it's building a small treatment plant. So we have tend to focus uh, in where we think the biggest sort of immediate need is and where the biggest um, need certainly for private capital is in the lower to middle market of water, right? That's not necessarily building the the billion-dollar treatment plant in Metro LA or New York. It's really the smaller, more fragmented parts of the market. And that that is sort of, yeah, go ahead. So like like, like an inland desalination plant. Not a gigantic one, but just take stuff that comes out of the, the ground and handle that versus building a big plant on the ocean. Uh, so things like that. Is that that's kind of where you you guys are at? Correct. I mean, it, just yes. using one example that I'm sure you know, that there's 85,000 water and wastewater utilities in the U.S. Right, most of them. Um, that service the most amount of the population are big, right? But the fragmentation is huge and more inland, right? Um, you know, one of our main focuses is sort of the the Midwest, which is which you know has a massive need for infrastructure upgrading. So that's really more of our market. Okay. Okay. So I would assume lending money to a company or providing capital, there's a return to you guys because you're a business to make money. Correct. Yes, we, we're we're how, private investors. Yes. So how does that for, come back? Is that, does that come back in some sort of bond issue or just a contractual agreement that uh, that works? Um, right. I mean, we we're, we are making a private returns. Whether we're investing in a company where we're getting a, a yield from that company on an annual basis, or we're making money from the exit of of a successful exit of that business, but we are returning capital. To, you know, a, a solid private return to our institutional investor base, which is made up of you know, pension funds, endowments, things of that nature. Um, and it can also come, obviously, from pure credit type of, of yield, like the one you just mentioned, which is you know more of a financial product. But we, we are sort of for you know, 
private and looking for private investor type of returns. And what's what's the benefit uh, of your company doing that versus them getting traditional money or, or funding from a government or something? Um, well, you know, as you know, the, the government funding isn't for every single um, municipality. It's not for every single project. You know, the, the funding that, that is allocated to water is finite. So not everything can be funded through through that system. Um, and in many cases, um, we're acquiring private systems or uh, solving private problems with private um, individuals, in which case they don't necessarily qualify for a lot of the, the grants or the state revolving funds or or the federal programs that exist, but I think that the the, the overall um, you know sort of answer is that the the federal government can certainly not supply all the capital that's needed to do right. all the upgrading. So you need to find other creative uh, solutions that involve private capital. Right. So I know that, like in California, for example, but I'm I'm in the west end of Phoenix territory, outskirts of Phoenix, but I moved from California. And I know they've been having issues with uh, small, small water agencies that can't control the cleanliness of their water, and 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 it's owned by a private private companies, and they can't afford to upgrade their system. So the the state government is 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 asking all the major water agencies around the territories to take over these other companies and things of that sort. But but they don't have the dollars to do that. So is that something they would come to you and look at and say, hey? Um, they want us to take over this little water agency that maybe have five people in it and it doesn't supply good, clean water to them and they can't afford to change the piping and this and that, but they do need money. But the, the water agency that they're talking to doesn't have, the the bigger one doesn't have the, the dollars that it's going to need to, to reroute the pipes to their place to get it clean. I mean, those are the type of people that would come to you? That's right. And, and in many cases in certain states, um, the government does come to us to be the solutions provider for that because we can sort of efficiently and effectively solve that problem for, let's say, the out-of-compliant ut- small utility. Um, and it's it's obviously providing capital. It's shepherding it through a regulatory process to get a rate case. It's also making that system, you know, upgrading that most efficiently as possible, either through making it, you know, more digitally advanced, technologically advanced, operating it very efficiently, which is what what we do through one of our our platform companies is is exactly that. Oh, excellent, and, excellent. And there's obviously a very big need. I mean, you mentioned you know in Arizona, but there's hundreds and thousands of systems that that are out of compliance, small, and yep. need capital and upgrading. And um, you know, there, there's really not many uh, alternatives for that. No, you're absolutely right. I, you know, we we've talked. Oh, sorry, we've spoken to. Uh, many water districts all over the country and all over the world. What I find interest, uh, interesting is it's kind of hurtful when I when I look at, like, Jackson, Mississippi. Um, we, we had some of the, the water utility people and the mayor on and, and talked about how their water structure uh, is in one, in one area, and they're the capital of, of Mississippi, this capital city, and yet their water maybe comes once or twice a week and it's dirty and they have to, you know, uh, boil the water and and so they went to the state and said, hey, we need we need some help here. You know, and, they, and the state said, well, you know, you're located too far away from the 